Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. and welcome back to our third episode of Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. We've already had about 10,000 streams across all platforms on the last two episodes, which is kind of crazy and mind-blowing to me. So thank you so, so much for all of your support, and I honestly can't even begin to express how grateful I am. The podcast is now available pretty much everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you are listening on iTunes, it would mean so much to me if you would drop a review or give it a rating. For next week, I do have an interview planned, but I wanted to add a Q&A component to the episode. I realized that I never took the opportunity to introduce myself or talk about my own mindset journey. I'm sure you've maybe heard bits and pieces of it maybe from my blog or on another podcast interview that I've done. So if you do have a question for me about anxiety, blogging, course creation, mindset, meditation, or anything really, you can shoot your question to info at and we will make sure to include it in next week's Q&A. On today's episode, I had the best time interviewing Jennifer, who is the founder of the blog and Facebook group Help Mama Meditate and a contributor to online publications such as The Tattooed Buddha and Sivana. She's also a wife, mother to two girls, and a speech pathologist. I met Jennifer through Facebook, and I invited her to do a guided live meditation in my Facebook group, Growth Mindset Tribe. Her enthusiasm to collaborate is one of my favorite characteristics about Jennifer. She's always willing to support and mentor other women in whatever ways she can. In this episode, we talk about tips and tricks for meditation beginners, the mindset shift that solidified her meditation practice, the process Jennifer uses to create her live meditation in her Facebook group, Help Mama Meditate, and the difference between mindfulness and mindfulness meditation. I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode, and don't forget to send in your questions for next week's Q&A to info at Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Just trying to stay cool. It's, we're having a heat wave in California, so. 
Yeah, the heat has been intolerable this summer, I think, just overall. So we're trying to get through it. Yeah, so why don't you tell everyone where you're from? I'm from Chicago, so I'm no stranger to the heat. Um, And I... I live there with my husband and my two daughters and my Cavalier King Charles. I'm a mom to my two daughters. And then I also am a speech pathologist. I work in a rehabilitation setting with uh, patients that have had uh, injury or stroke or, or different situations such as those. And I'm also a blogger. I created my own blog this year, and I am a writer for online publications such as The Tattooed Buddha and Savannah Spirit. Very cool. And what is your blog name? Help Mama Meditate. Okay. And you also have a Facebook group as well, right? That's called Help Mama Meditate? Yes. Uh, The group basically is the companion to the blog, is a way to form a sense of community for the readers. Right. And that's actually how we met was, actually, I don't know how we connected. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember if it was Instagram or Facebook. I'm pretty sure it was Facebook. And I remember seeing, I don't remember. I'm like, now I'm racking my brain. Because the, like, I know that you did a a live meditation in my, in my group. Yes. Yes. But then I was like, how do, how did we get to that point? <laughs> right. I, at one point you had reached out to me and asked if I would do something with your group. And so I said, sure, because I do guided meditations, I try to do at least on a weekly basis for my group. So I said, sure, I'd be more than happy to. And I'm trying to remember if you first had reached out to me via Facebook or via Instagram and all my social media networks just kind of collide now that I have the blog so it's hard for me to separate it out (laughs) no I feel the same way I'm like where did I meet this person how did we right right through the through the virtual world of blogging yeah it's so crazy how that that works out so you are also as on top of being a blogger and a writer and doing managing your Facebook group you also do speech pathology so I I think that was one of the questions that I asked you before like the podcast even came about because I don't know, I didn't know what a speech pathologist was. So how did you get into speech pathology? I've always been interested in science uh, for as long as I can remember, ever since I was a child. And then I found that with speech pathology, I could combine science with language and I love to write. So, um, and I also could help people. So it was just so many ways to find a job or a career that I could use science, use language, and help people. So I started taking courses halfway through my freshman year at university. And before I knew it, I was majoring in communication sciences and disorders, which then led to me getting my, my master's degree in speech pathology so that I could become a certified therapist. Wow, that's amazing. And is do you feel like working in a rehabilitation center is that difficult to do like when you when you see someone who's struggling with their speech? Yes, you know, there are a lot of struggles that you do see on the job, especially when it comes to seeing people that are kind of having a cognitive decline and they can't remember things they used to or they can't attend to things that they want to. 
um, that that is very hard to see because it kind of hits home that you know all of us could kind of reach that point of having a hard time remembering things that are important to us um, or not being able to do the things we'd want to be able to do because of either a stroke or some sort of cognitive um, disorder or dementia so it, it is tough um, the main thing is uh, and what and a lot of like with mindfulness has taught me is just making sure I, I am having a lot of compassion and not um, allowing all of it to weigh me down. Um, I have to learn how to separate myself, but also be a compassionate therapist. Yeah, definitely. My, um, my, both of my grandparents on my dad's side, one, my grandfather has Alzheimer's and then my grandmother has Parkinson's, which part of Parkinson's is inevitably she will have dementia. And thankfully they're as far as like their speech goes, they're pretty, pretty good. Like they just forget things and their first language was in English. So a lot of the times I'll go over and they start speaking to me in Tagalog. They're from the Philippines and I don't speak Tagalog. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So I just kind of smile, like nod my head, but it's definitely, I definitely can resonate with that when you like, you have to just show show a sense of compassion for, for someone, but thankfully they still have their speech. So it's just like other little things that they are still, they have a caregiver that lives with them 24 seven. So thankfully they have someone there that can help them more with the day to day things. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. That, that helps makes a big difference. Yeah. So kind of switching gears cause you hit on the mindfulness thing. So how did you get into meditation? So it's funny how it all connects together. Uh, when I was in graduate school, it was really the most stressful time of my life. Um, I had a lot of ups and downs and obstacles and certain situations that I had to deal with that I wasn't expecting. And I decided to start taking Tai Chi. They offered it twice a week on campus. So I would go between classes, take Tai Chi for about an hour, and then go back and you know, get back to work again in in class or seeing clients in the on-campus clinic. Mm -hmm. And the Tai Chi led to me just getting interested in meditation in general because it's basically moving meditation. And then I went to a seated meditation and I also started doing yoga, but the sitting meditation, it just totally was just such an eye-opener. I really didn't realize that you could just sit and focus on breathing or focus on a phrase or a mantra and that that could benefit me in any way and it and it helped me a lot it got me through uh, tough times and I only picked it up this was 10 years ago and I started doing this and I would only do it when I was stressed out so when I had my second daughter I realized I need to just keep doing this I can't just meditate on and off and expect anything to change you know I'm just doing it when I'm stressed out even when I'm having a good day I need to sit down and and meditate so that's it's been almost a year now that I've been doing a daily practice so even if it's five minutes it's better than nothing but I try to aim for 20 to 30 minutes a day oh wow that's incredible I, I can only meditate for about 10 minutes like I went through a weird phase with my meditation kind of similar to yours where I was trying it but I didn't think that I was doing it right. Like I didn't have classes or like, I didn't even know about guided meditation or any of the apps that are out now weren't 
available when I first started. And I kind of did it in a very vain way because it, I was like 18, 19 and just kind of wanted to do it to seem cool. And that failed. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept trying and trying and trying over again. And then I started having really bad anxiety and panic attacks. And meditation was one of the first things that I tried. And I went through a phase where it was like I was doing it for an hour, like twice a day in the morning and at night. And it just really, really helped me so much kind of regain that balance and really calm down my brain. Um, yes. But now I'm at a point where I'm like 10 minutes in the morning and I'm good as long as I'm consistent with it. Yes, yeah, so consistency is key. Like you said, if it's every day and some days, it's just a crazy day. And if I get five minutes, I get five minutes, but I figure it's five minutes and I'm still practicing. The intention is there mm -hmm. and it's still benefiting me. Now, when I can do longer days, like there are days where I've done, I did, I even wrote a piece um, for my blog about it, where I did an at home meditation retreat where I did four hours and I kind of went back and forth between seated meditation, walking meditation and yoga. And that was just so wonderful. Like, I wish I could do that every other week. I would, you know, it would just be amazing. Um, just sitting for 45 minutes to an hour and meditating was, was so eye-opening. And just, I didn't believe when people said like, oh, you go on a retreat and you feel like a different person. I totally felt it. It was just the most peaceful I've ever felt. And all I was doing was sitting in the dark in silence and I felt so peaceful it was just it was wonderful and and that's when I was it just really um, made my connection to meditation even stronger because I was really starting to feel the benefits because there are good days and not so good days I try not to judge the meditation session but there are days where I thought I did not focus I was not focusing I was all over the place but that's still meditation Right. And I, I try to, I try to reassure other people the same thing. And I have to reassure myself as well. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. Sometimes it is very difficult to meditate on certain days. Like you have that, they call it the monkey mind. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and it can get, oh, yeah. it can get crazy. And it, br it brings up a lot of things because like you were saying, like you, when you are in silence and you are really focusing on your breathing. I think sometimes for me, a lot of things come up um, in between breaths and I'm like, okay. And you start to notice like a pattern. If something starts to come up con consistently, like you're every morning you're meditating and like this thought of, is my business really thriving? Like it's <laughs> coming up, like, you know, okay, this is something that I really need to evaluate a bit more. Yes. Yes. Wow. And I felt like once I could kind of quiet the self-talk and the doubts and things like that, my creativity, um, that part of my brain really started to flourish when I was able to sit for an hour and quiet all the, the naysaying that happens in the head, you know, it happens mm -hmm. in the brain. I felt I was a lot more free to feel creative and I was getting ideas of what to write for the blog and just other ideas in general. Um, so. I feel like meditation really helps the creativity and there have been some studies that have shown that um, I don't specifically have them, but I did see 
something online that was supporting that meditation can help with creativity because of the fact that it does quiet, quiet the mind and, and allow you to focus and improve your attention. Yeah. I mean, they, they've even taken like brain scans. Like I did my three, my free um, three day medita- uh, meditation mindfulness course. They talked about how people who practice mindful meditation for like, I think it was six weeks for just 30 minutes a day. Like they had actual gr- brain repair and growth in certain areas of their brain that mm-hmm. had to deal with stress and anxiety and depression and all of these, I would say, more painful parts of being human. Um, so it's really surprising to me that we don't focus on meditation more as a way of healing because it really can be such a important factor, I think, when just dealing with being a human being. Yes, exactly. And I know that Andy Puttycomb, who is a former monk and he has the Headspace app, he's trying to get FDA to approve his app, I guess, as a prescription. So they are starting to move in that direction, but it's a long time coming. People have been meditating for thousands of years um, in the East. So the the West seems to be slowly catching up. (laughs) Yeah, I think, honestly, I think meditation has never been so prominent than ever before. I don't, I, growing up, I, my mom was really into spiritual stuff. So I kind of knew a bit about it, Um, but neither of my parents practiced it. But it was like when I started taking yoga class and like at the end of your yoga class, they do the Shavasana and it's kind of Mm -hmm. like a pre-meditative state, I guess. Um, And that's when I really started getting into it because I felt so good after that. But I didn't know about Headspace and I've tried Headspace before the app, but I I prefer the Calm app. I'm obsessed with it. I talk about it all the time. Um, And they have just different as kind of like Headspace, different guided meditations, and they started doing master classes, which I think Headspace did as well. But I really love that idea of it being something that can actually be prescribed to help. Yes. So what type of meditation do you practice? Because there are several types of meditation. Um, of for me, it's mindfulness meditation. Me I typically do, you know, following the breath. And I've also been taking a course through the Unified Mindfulness Program that Shinzen Young had developed. And what they do is the see, hear, feel technique. But it's all based on mindfulness and, and concentration. Interesting. Um, so with the see, hear, feel technique, it's everything you're you're putting your attention on anything that you may see hear or feel and feel would be could be the breath it could be a physical pain it could be you know it, it kind of goes into different directions but it kind of expands beyond the breath and they said you could just focus on the breath but they also say you could also just note things that are in your environment as you're sitting and as you're meditating and it allows you to just kind of um, expand what your your focus is on. Um, so I've been in that program for the past, uh, say, month and a half or so, and it's been very interesting. Very cool. I, yeah, that sounds like a really good technique to master, um, especially incorporating more mindfulness and mindfulness meditation into it. So for someone who maybe has never meditated before, 
or maybe wants to get into meditation, what would you say to them? I always say start small. I say even do 30 seconds because a lot of people get intimidated by thinking that they have to sit for an hour on the side of a mountain and <laughs> sit in the load, full lotus and, you know, feel like they have to get all, you know, zen about it. But honestly, I always say pick a comfortable seat. Pain is not a requirement for meditation and start small. Do 30 seconds. Just set a timer on your phone or use the insight timer or use Calm. Use any of those apps and then just go from there. Every few days, build up until you get to the point where you could sit for five minutes or sit for 10 minutes and just know that it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. Just know that it is going to challenge you. But if you sit with intention and you're sitting upright and you have a dignified posture and you're ready to focus on your breath or your mantra or whatever works for you, um, just be open about it. You know, that's what I always tell people if they if they're truly interested in meditation, but they're still kind of, you know, concerned or they're curious, but they don't think it'll work for them. I just say stay open to it and see what happens and don't over don't bite off more than you can chew. Just start 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and then you can build from that. Right. I love the first part where you're like, you don't have to sit on a mountaintop for hours because that was me. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to become a vegan. I'm going to drive a Prius. Um, I'm going to get dreadlocks in my hair. And like, that's just going to be me now because I meditate. <laughs> um, and I totally realized I went through this very weird, like conflicting thing where I was like, this isn't me, but I'm, I know that I'm growing and changing as a person because of my meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And that was just the ideal that I had in my head. I was like, okay, no more, no more Taco Bell, no more ribs. (laughs) Right. Right. We listen to like flute music. (laughs) Right. Just, just Anya and yeah, yeah, Anya and new age all the way. Um, yeah, and it's funny though because it does have such a stereotype, and the and the media and ads, um, they really don't help the cause of meditation <laughs> because they really do enforce. And I I've written about this on the blog a couple times because I get so irritated by how the movies portray meditation, mm-hmm. um, you know, and how they portray it as like I mean they the person could practically be levitating sometimes. And I'm thinking, this is not what it's about. You know, this is not what it's about. And there was one, I watch a lot of Marvel stuff with my husband, Chris, and there's a show we watch, um, Daredevil, and they had a spinoff called Defenders. And one of the characters always meditates. And he was one of the only ones who actually did it right, where he said, you know, it's, it's always been about the breath. And I was just like, yes, okay, finally someone in a TV show got it right. It's about the breath, you know, it's about yeah. following your breath. And but most of the time, pop culture just totally gets it wrong. Yeah, no, they really do. And I think especially with like the movement with yoga and just how big of a marketplace that has turned into. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people associate meditation with yoga and just that whole kind of movement that it can get really twisted really quickly. And I'm like, there's probably people you have interacted with that meditate and you wouldn't even know. Like that yes, it's part of yes. their practice. Like they're not wearing hemp shoes and smoking weed, you know, mm-hmm. on their lunch breaks. <laughs> it could be your professor or anyone that you come into contact with. So it's funny how there's this 
a misconception about it. And I think that prevents a lot of people from starting meditation because they do think that their whole lifestyle has to change drastically in order yes. to incorporate it into their life. And it's not, it's non-denominational. It's not religious. And by any yes. means, yes. Um, you can totally make it. I think sometimes prayer can be a form of meditation in some respects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny how, <laughs> how we, we kind of play into those things. So kind of transitioning away from more of the practice, but so blogging. So you started your meditation practice you after your second daughter was born and you really began to solidify your practice so how did you transition from that into starting your blog well um and like I said everything's all connected and you know being a mom um, the second time around I you know again I was feeling stressed out (laughs) stress always seems to be the the source of all this but it's a, it's a great teacher. And I realized that I wanted to have an outlet. I mean, I am a speech pathologist, but that's work. Um, and I'm a mom, but that's my life. And I wanted to have another outlet and I love to write and I love to interact with other people. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I just write about meditation because it's been helping me so much and then I can learn more and I can have a nice community of other people to meet. And, and that's what inspired me being a mom and just wanting to show them, you know, if you have an idea in your head, just, just go for it. If you want to share something with people, just share it. Um, so I'm trying to be an example to them um, that, you know, follow your interests and, you know, if something helps you share it with others, cause maybe it might help someone else. Right. So, you know, I, I love, I love that answer. And I think the, the part that you said, share it with someone else. Was there a shift that happened that really made you want to share your experience with meditation with the internet? I mean, I, cause we kind of talked about this a little bit in our phone call before where we're like, sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a little intense and you get some, you know, pretty um, not so nice e- emails from people or interactions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I yeah. think that's a big deterrent for people before when they, when they want to start a blog, it's like, well, who, how vulnerable do you have to be? So was there something like a, something that happened or was there a shift that made you? Um, yeah, I guess uh, being a mom has made me braver than I thought I could be. I always was afraid to uh, share my writing. I was always self-conscious about it because I've been writing for as long as I can remember. It, since I was a kid, I've been writing creative stories and I write short stories and I don't show them to anyone, but I write a lot. So I thought, you know, well, this is something I feel comfortable sharing because I see the benefit. It's, this is my truth. This is what I've been doing. And I, I feel strong in sharing it. If someone doesn't like it, that's okay. And people have been, you know, I have, I've had people tell me they don't like it, but you know, I, I figure that's okay. And I have compassion for them because that that's fine. They don't have to like everything I write. Um, and hopefully they have a path that they're on that works for them. Um, but yeah, I, I guess just, I finally felt brave enough to share it. And, but I think being a mom was the big catalyst because I just wanted to, um, finally just get out there with and be brave enough and not let anything hold me back. Even if someone did say they didn't like it. 
Mm-hmm. And so what specifically made you pick the niche, the niche of, of moms help mama meditate? Was it, I mean, you kind of touched on it with like being how motherhood made you more brave than you could, than you realized you were, but was that the main reason why you picked that niche? I think so. I think because being a mom is my reality. It is my life. And once you're a mom, you're always a mom. So it's not like it's, and it's like, I'm always a mom 24 seven. So even, you know, my husband and I went away for a weekend, not far, we went into the city and I was still a mom. I wasn't with them, but I was a mom. So I thought that when I'm writing, I now write from the perspective of a mom. And I thought that I could then share what I what I'm learning in my perspective as a mom to other, to other moms, because I I think what I write about can relate to a lot of different people, whether they're a parent or not, but that just happens to be my story and the, the lens that I'm looking at life through. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I read your blog and I read your content and I'm not a mom unless like you consider, you know, I have a dog, we can be a dog mom, but not right, right. for other human life. But I think even like your writing does transcend through very different audiences. So I think that's really, that's really amazing. Um, so how do you think your mindset has changed since you started blogging and meditating? Well, I've just, I can't believe how much I've learned in such a short period of time. I started publishing at the end of February, so it's been six months, and it's just opened me up to so many things. Um, My meditation practice has definitely deepened. Um, I wouldn't have normally done that half-day retreat. I wouldn't have been motivated enough to do it because I knew I wanted to write a piece for the blog. Um, I wouldn't have put out to other, uh, professional sites if I didn't have the blog. So I think it definitely just so many things shifted where I, I've met so many people such as yourself and I've met different writers and editors for the tattooed Buddha. And it's just been just such an opening experience for me. And I also could not believe that I could learn even more. You know, once you think you know something, you realize you know nothing. (laughs) So it's just been, it's been a great educational experience and just a great social experience. You know, as a mom, I'm at home um, all the time and not a lot of interaction with other adults. So all day. So it's been great to talk to people through social media, through through the blog, you know, through Facebook groups. So um, that's been great too on a, on a social level for me. Yes, I completely agree. I think blogging has opened so many doors and it is it's like you really think you know everything. Like you start getting the hang of, of like one aspect of blogging, like whether it's like your writing process, but then you're mm-hmm. like met with a whole new set of challenges um, in like a completely different space. And for me, that's like, that is what really motivates me and like inspires me is when I don't know things because then I'm kind of like intrigued and like, well, I want to learn how to do this. Like, how do I figure this out? Um, and that for me was always a struggle in my, my jobs before I 
you know, started doing this full time was I would kind of max out, like I would figure out a process. And once I figured out the process, then I was like, okay, well, I'm bored and I need something else to challenge me. But with this, it's like I'm <laughs> constantly being greeted with new challenges. And I think having a meditation practice has also kind of changed that for me in the sense that I'm more welcoming of it where before I kind of used to resent it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about your Facebook live meditations that you do in your group. And we kind of touched on this too, on the other phone call that we had where you said to me, because I was telling him like, this is a new podcast for me and I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> People like actually, <laughs> and I loved your advice. You were like, you have to start somewhere. Like you have to, you have to just start and just keep working on it. And you, and I love, I loved, love that. And I really took that to heart after our conversation. But you also said, you know, with your live meditations that mm -hmm. you did, that it was also a process for you. And in the beginning, yes. it was like, this is kind of difficult. And now you felt more comfortable with it. So what Talk about a little bit more about your live meditations and maybe what your process is for creating those guided meditations. Definitely. Well, I am uh, not like the most outgoing person, you know, and I, I think like they say, most people fear public speaking more than they fear death. So I feel like, I feel like Facebook Live is kind of like public speaking because you do know there are eyes watching, even if they're not in the same room. Mm -hmm. um, they're virtually there. And I was a wreck my first Facebook Live. But I, in the back of my head, I said, this is how you get started. You don't start at the top. You start at the bottom and you work your way through it. So a lot of my preparation comes from inspiration. I try to be open to being inspired, um, especially I think that comes from my background in writing. I get inspired just by people I meet or quotes I see or um, maybe a new movie or book I was reading or anything like that. So I'll find a quote. Um, I have like a mindfulness, like everyday quote book and I'll see like, okay, what kind of meditation can I come up with from this? Or what do I want to share with, um, you know, with the group? And so that usually is what sparks how I talk about um, a little bit of instruction and I'll go right into the guided meditation so usually it's typically inspiration from a quote. Um, that's my main thing. And I like doing the meditations for about, I usually talk five minutes about the blog, like what's happening there, what I'm writing about. And then I'll do five minutes guided. Sometimes I'll speak through the whole thing. And sometimes I'll have about a minute of silence just so people can kind of practice whatever it is we're working on. Um, or I'll do a loving kindness meditation where that I just guide completely the whole time. And that typically can last about, I don't know, eight or 10 minutes. Um, and that's what I did for the tattooed Buddha's annual day of meditation, which uh, if someone asked me a year ago, if I was going to be doing a live thing for a, a national event, I would say no, <laughs> but I, because I was doing the Facebook live, uh, meditations, I felt much more comfortable knowing that, you know, hundreds of people were going to be watching it. Um, but I felt more comfortable because I had been doing the guided meditations for so long, um, for six months. So I felt better about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. So did you, how did you learn to, to write the guided meditations? Was it something that you 
picked up just from listening to own your own guide, the other guided meditations that are out there? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, it was just picking up. I, you know, I love to listen to the guided meditations. I love, um, certain teachers are, I love Susan Piper, um, Pema Chodron, Thich Nhat Hanh has to be one of my, he's definitely just such an inspiration to me. Um, his quotes just, and his writing is so eloquent and so beautiful. The way he writes about mindfulness, he adds such a poetry to it that I can never even begin to capture. Um, even when I paraphrase his quotes, I butcher them. But he, <laughs> he just, you know, he just really, he's just such a peaceful man. And mm-hmm. um, listening to those people and reading, reading what they have to say and their wisdom. Of course, you know, you can only learn the wisdom yourself. You can only gain wisdom on your own. And these people just help you along the way. But um, they have been a big inspiration for my guided meditations. Awesome. Have you heard of um, John Kabat-Zinn? Yes, I love him. I know. Yeah, he's one of the first books. Uh, what is it called? Wherever You Go, There You Are. There You Are. Yes. That was one of the first <laughs> mindfulness books that I ever read. And I'm such a freaking nerd. I like travel with these books. Like anywhere I go, um, because I just feel that books for me are such a sense of like, I don't even know what I'm saying, but like such a sense of like comfort for me. And that's one of the mm-hmm. books that I travel with all the time. Like no matter where I'm going, I always keep it with me and I just like, like to flip through it and I highlight and annotate the crap out of my books. And that is one of my favorite books that I ever, and then also, um, Oh, what is that daily one? I can't think of that off the top of my head, but it also has to do with like mindfulness and, and meditation as well. Yes, that was actually on my list for my seven best mindfulness books that I just, uh, that just came out last week on my blog. And uh, John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, was on the list. And so was Thich Nhat Hanh's Pieces Every Step, which I think was on Bill Gates' reading list, too, at one point. Yeah. Because um, that's where I had first heard of it uh, a few years back. Yeah, and I think, too, there are some books um, that are very... I don't know how to say it, but very boring when it comes to talking Mm -hmm. about meditation and mindfulness. But I think John Kabat-Zinn, like just the way he's also done, I think he's part of that study that I was talking about earlier, the Harvard Harvard Medical School study. He like founded that mindfulness-based stress reduction. I forgot the last part of the acronym, but he helped fund and find those research, research that really elevated and I think caught a lot of people's attention on just how powerful mindfulness and meditation are. Um, And my last question, because I always see, especially on Pinterest, there is, I think, a very big misconception between mindfulness and mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. So like for Mm -hmm. me, I hold them as two separate ideas. So like there's a mindfulness practice and then there's mindfulness meditation, but I see them kind of count like what's the word I'm looking for, like simultaneously used, especially in like Mm -hmm. a certain articles and pieces that I've read. So what is your perspective on that? Yeah. And that's a good uh, question you bring up because, you know, I'll even hear people that I really admire say, well, you can meditate all day throughout the day oh when you garden that's meditation or when you I'm like no 
No, it's not. And I'm going to just go with the, the Dan Harris answer with meditation because I really liked the one who wrote 10% Happier, the news anchor. Dan Harris yes. And I feel like he really hit the nail on the head because he's so straightforward and blunt. Um, which I love. And he just said, no, when you have to sit down <laughs> and, and, and do nothing, well, not do nothing, but follow your breath. And that's meditation. It's not when you're doing this, it's not when you're doing that. You have to be sitting and meditating. And so I feel like meditation is an act. It can carry over into your, your life and into your daily life. Um, but like, mindfulness on the other hand is a way of life and meditation is to me that act of meditation we are you're sitting you have the intention to meditate you are following your breath or following a mantra or a visualization and it's for a certain amount of time and when it's over it's over and you do it again the next day or later in the evening or whatever your routine is um so i i feel that they are two separate things they can collide with each other because you you know if you're practicing mindfulness meditation you are um being mindful of breathing being mindful of thought intruding thoughts or learning how to not let them control you um but it's definitely an intentional act and mindfulness i feel like i said it's just like is that way of life it's it's in using your senses to be aware of reality as it's actually happening not as you think it should be happening or not as you want it to happen um and you can carry mindfulness into so many different things like you could mindfully garden you could mindfully cook you can mindfully wash the dishes but to me that's not the act of meditation so i i like to kind of separate them out like meditation to me is like you're sitting and you're meditating right. and you can you can meditate during yoga but i still almost consider yoga something of its own yeah. practice because of the movement of it um i know people say it's moving meditation just like tai chi is a moving meditation but for me i sitting meditation is its own own entity yeah no i completely agree with you i think like i almost look at mindfulness like a mindset like that is like you were saying it's a way of life and kind of the way that you do things versus meditation yeah that really pees you and people are like you could meditate all day long and like you'd go mm -hmm. like that's not not the way that I was taught <laughs> no I, I no you can be mindful all day long but I, I don't know anyone who is right yeah and I think that that's part of of being a human being is that's just the way that our brain is is created and structured and structured it's not supposed to be mindful and engaged 24 7 because then our brain will just probably blow up in pieces like <laughs> right um, right exactly it yeah. yeah we we're descending from a lot of evolutionary changes in our brains and it's only you know, we're meant to wander and be attentive to our surroundings because we still have that fight or flight instinct and we still have the survival instinct from, from thousands of years ago. So we are, that is part of our brain structure for survival. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's ironic because that is, when I was going to cognitive behavioral therapy for my anxiety, one of the things was, is like to focus when you're feeling anxious, to focus on your surroundings and like that that method I forgot what it's actually called but you are supposed to like pick out five things you can see what you can smell and what you can touch and that is the mm -hmm. of, 
of mindfulness. And for me, meditation is like exactly what you're saying, the intention mm-hmm. of sitting down and the intention of focusing on your breath and not so much just going throughout your day and being like, I'm meditating. It's like, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I said, if you're, if you can talk to me right now, you're not meditating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I really think, I mean, I've even experienced like weird, like, I don't even know if this is scientific, but I really feel like I can feel my brain waves shift when I'm meditating like kind of going down um, from being like maybe really high if I'm especially if I meditate in the middle of the day mm-hmm. so amped up versus meditating in the morning it's really hard for me it literally feels like trying to if you're driving a stick shift car like switching gears without the clutch mm-hmm. that, like, <laughs> right right kind of like jerking back and forth like that is exactly what that feels like to me is that that's how I know I'm like okay now I'm really meditating mm-hmm. yes yes because it is it definitely is a shift yeah. um, when you have that intention to sit and meditate it's not just sitting you know it, it, you are like you're sitting with intention you're sitting with purpose and the posture is a big part of it um, making sure you're in position and focusing um, that's all part of it. And that, and the more you do it and the more you get in the routine of it, the more your body starts to get into that even quicker. You get into that meditative state a lot quicker because you almost like condition your body to, well, I'm in this posture, I'm in this position, I'm, I'm focusing on a certain, you know, on my breath and okay, now I'm ready. And I feel like it's a lot easier to go into as long as it's consistent. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that has a ripple effect. Like when mm-hmm. you are sitting down and your brain starts to go into that mode of like, okay, I'm focusing on my breath. It also becomes easier for you to focus on the 10 emails in your inbox and not worry about the Facebook notification, the text message, ding, you just got whatever mm-hmm. else is going on around you. You're like focused. Okay. I'm just going to respond to this email. Um, right. So it kind of breaks up a lot of that um, cognitive dissonance that sometimes occurs when there's a million different things going on. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. This is a really good conversation and I'm so excited that you were down to do this with me. I appreciate being asked and it was, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. So tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Well, you can find me on my website, which is helpmamameditate.com, which I, I'm not going to spell it out because that might take a while. I don't want to take up too much time well, with spelling, but include all of your links in the description. But I want Perfect. To- <laughs> yeah. So you can find the website and then on my website are all my links to the Facebook group and I have my, my Instagram and Pinterest. I have a lot of fun Pinterest boards for people to check out. So those are the best places to find me. Um, And I'm more than happy to have more people join the group. We do our our fun meditations once a week. We do thankful Thursdays where we kind of just talk about what we're thankful for that day. And, and that's, you know, something just a fun social community aspect of meditation and mindfulness. So I'm trying to keep it fun and not be too serious or boring about it because life should be fun. Well, thank you again so much, and we will talk soon. All right. Thank you.